0: Our lives belong to you. And we lay them down now on the altar of sacrifice for your perfect will to be done in them, through them, and among them. We come as your children today in need of a fresh feeling. Because the truth is, Lord, we leak sometimes. We need today to leave here on full and overflowing so would you do now only that which you can do let's breathe on your children fill us afresh pour out from on high that which satisfies and nourishes the soul Give our pastor preaching permission and preaching power so that our hearts will be illuminated, our eyes and ears will be open, and we can run for you a little while longer. Thank you for this hour. Thank you for the precious privilege of preaching the gospel. In the name of Jesus, everybody said amen and amen. Let's give that choir a hand today. Wow. Thank you. I'm not sure if some of you recognize how hard Sister McCoy works, Anansa, giving leadership to that great ministry. But I'm grateful for you, daughter. And I'm grateful for all all of you who put in the hours of preparation for you make our souls lighter on Sunday morning. So thank you, choir. Amen. Thank you so much. If you open your Bibles with me today to Philippians chapter 3, we are in a four-week series, stewardship series. We've taken a break from our journey in Acts And we've been talking about stewardship, but mainly the ministry of the five-star church. So today I want to pick up for this third sermon titled, The Five-Star Church and the Secret to Endurance. Last week we talked about the secret to contentment, and this week we're going to be dealing with the secret to endurance. Want to welcome our first-time visitors to the New Beginnings Community Baptist Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible, books and chapters at a time. Family? And so now that you are here with us, we invite you to study God's Word in expository preaching. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and Uh, 12 through 14, rather, is where we will land. Philippians 3, beginning at verse 12. Paul says these words, Not that I have already attained, or am already perfected, but new beginnings I press on, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of. Of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Somebody say, I press press. toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus look at your neighbor this morning tell him neighbor neighbor, oh neighbor neighbor, this morning morning, my pastor pastor wants to talk to you about about the five-star church church and the secret secret to to endurance amen you may be seated So glad to see the Reverend Jerome Ireland today. Amen. 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 Missed you, man. And the Reverend Jay Mason's in the house. No pressure up here, no pressure. My brothers of over 25 years, preaching companions, thank you. I'm encouraged by your presence today. New Beginnings, if there was ever a Christian that loved the Lord with every area of his life, nobody could argue against the Apostle Paul. I'll call him, Reverend Mason, the ultimate example of a five-star believer. And our passage today gives us the secret for his endurance in ministry. And the hope that he needed to make it in a fallen world and yet be a Christian. Paul was a good steward, a good servant, and a good follower of Jesus Christ. Would anybody disagree this morning? We have a lot that we can learn, brothers and sisters, from his dedication and his commitment we can learn from his stewardship and his ministry his passion and his purpose for living the sacrificed life so today I want to encourage us to endure in the faith and to be faithful family members committed to stewardship can I say it again I'm giving you my thesis right now I'm to encourage you To endure in the faith And to be a faithful family Committed to stewardship Evangelism And mission for God In a fallen world Look at somebody and tell them neighbor Be encouraged Be encouraged in the ministry today Tell them neighbor I don't care what you're going through Be encouraged with your ministry. Look at him again. Tell him, neighbor, I said don't quit. quit. Be faithful faithful. faithful. to the end. end. Y'all in here now? Paul, in writing this letter, is on death row. And the emperor, Nero, is trying to stamp out the gospel. But in Paul's love for the faith, and his love for the saints, it keeps him in the fight to live for God, no matter what's happening all around him. Y'all catch that right there? In other words, he models for us what it looks like. To keep pressing on in spite of the drama that's in your world. Paul reminds us to keep inspired and to keep motivated in spite of the setbacks and the back sets and the opposition that comes against you for living for God. He becomes the poster child of hope. In difficult seasons of life I feel this thing up here Y'all going to help me? Look His words alone In this passage Are to motivate us Take to stay the course And to keep our eyes on the prize While we run the race Tell somebody I'm going to do this thing I'm going to do this thing got three points I'm going to give you today. Three points. Number one, I want to talk about Paul's pursuit in life. And number two, I want to talk about Paul's purpose in life. And then number three, I'm going to close by talking about Paul's passion in life. Y'all got that? Paul's pursuit, Paul's purpose, and Paul's passion in life. Look with me at the, the first point, Paul's pursuit in life. The text says, Philippians, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected because I'm not there yet. That's what he's saying, right? But I'm pressing on that I may, watch this now, lay hold of that thing which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Here we discover, family, that Paul is simply sharing the perspective of his pursuits in life and how they have impacted him on his journey with Jesus. See, according to Paul in his verse, Sister Morgan, he hasn't made it to the end or to perfection yet. He knows perfection is coming at the end of life, but he ain't at the end yet. Y'all listening here? Nor has he captured the thing he is actually pursuing. But nevertheless, he's pressing on for the thing that has actually taken him hostage. Hey, I press on, watch this now, that I may lay hold of. Or another word is to grab hold to that thing that Jesus grabbed hold of in me. Can I say some more? These words reveal that Paul is saying, look, the Lord had had control of my mind when he called me on the Damascus road. He changed my life and my world. He's got my mind, my body, and my soul. He's laid hold of me when he called me. And because he grabbed me and called me, now I'm pursuing to understand what is that thing that made him do that in me, that turned me inside out and turned my affections for the things of the world on him. Whatever it is, of you right there because some of you lost the joy to your salvation a long time ago somebody quit shouting over the cross a long time ago somebody forgot what it was that made you fall in love with god when he first called your name. but paul is saying i'm not gonna let the seasons of life distract me from the thing that made me first fall in love with him Somebody who loves him today just yell out, I love, the Lord. I love the Lord. Paul is saying, I'm pressing on to that thing that laid hold of me. Yeah, yeah. When we get here, New Beginnings, we see what our call family is the first elements to have an endurance in the Christian race. Y'all listening here? Paul literally had a life that was in pursuit of God. I want you to do some inventory today. Paul had a mind that had been arrested by Jesus. What nothing else important to him but living for Christ. Paul had a heart that God had owned for himself. And so there was no room for the world to take his affection. Paul had a spirit, brothers and sisters, and a soul that longed to be where Jesus was. And these things kept him with endurance for running the Christian life. This made him press on to lay hold of that thing that laid hold of him. And brothers and sisters, in order to get that thing, Paul can't be satisfied. With what he's already attained or accomplished or understood or even trusted in. Can I say some more? He he, he can say this because he knew there was more to the Savior that he had not experienced yet. That there was more to the mystery of the gospel that he himself had not yet discovered. And as a result, he wanted to know more about God. He wanted to know more and experience more. See more. Feel more. Understand more. And as a result, he said, I'm pressing. I'm pressing on to get it. I don't notice a note here, Sister Wilson. Love, this was his pursuit in spite of his current situation and the circumstances. You should stay with me right there for just a minute. I already told you he was on death row. He's waiting for Nero to chop his head off. But in the meantime, in between time, he ain't focused on what Nero talking about. His life is being lived in pursuit of the thing that God had called him to do. Can I help somebody right here? Somebody, you've forgotten your first love because you got distracted by the Neroes of your life. The world has slapped you and mistreated you. And as a result, you put your mind on them instead of the one you need to be pursuing. You forgot that your God is in control and that the world can only do what he lets them do. So if he let them slap you, then they ought to push you to run more harder. Let me challenge you today. Yeah. Change your pursuits in life. So, Somebody looking at me this morning, you got distracted, baby. You pursuing the wrong thing. Your, man, your mind is on the man when you need to be pursuing the God who can give you a man. You're distracted, son. Your mind is on making money and how to grow your business instead, instead of putting your mind on the God of heaven and earth who has all You've gotten distracted. And your pursuit's in the wrong place. Somebody here, you've gotten distracted with the life of the mind. And you think it's about getting your doctorate. When the God of heaven and earth has all that treasures of knowledge and wisdom tucked in Christ. He's all you need. Come on, talk to me. Ain't nothing wrong with getting your doctorate. I got mine, but I can tell you, it's a vain pursuit. When you look at it and they don't talk back to you. You find out when you get the letters behind your name, they just letters, and you still a boy to some people in some neighborhoods. And just because it get, you get it, it don't make you no smarter. I found out I'm just as dumb today as I was when I started pursuing it. I'm just talking about me. Am I talking to you? If you get your mind on the wrong pursuits, you will miss out and you will never be able to learn the secret to endurance. I'm talking to somebody. I know I am. I don't know who you are. But the secret to the endurance of running a Christian race is having the right pursuits. Tell somebody, I'm pursuing the right thing today. I'm pursuing the right thing. Secrets of the five-star church and... Endurance is not only having the right pursuits, but it's having the right purpose in life. It's a good time to ask somebody, do you know your purpose for living? Paul says in verse 13, brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended. Brother Ed, he says, but this one thing I do, forgetting. Those things which are behind yes. and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. He's going to say, I press again. I'm going to give you that in the next point. But for his purpose, we arrive here that Paul's purpose for living comes from his pursuits for more of God. Okay. In other words, because he was intensely in love with Jesus, his living crumble had purpose. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Come on, come on. Because he was in love with Jesus, his living purpose in other words Jesus became the purpose of his existence come on can I say some more everything in life is gonna perish which means your purpose for living will be purposeless if your existence don't matter But if Jesus is the reason why you exist, then your purpose for living now has purpose. Okay, okay, let me work some more. I I know I got to convince you. I came ready. I came ready. He determined what his purpose would be by doing three things. Y'all ready? Here you go, write them down. Number one, he said, I don't dwell on the past. I'm talking to you parents who are trying to live through your kids. Come on. He didn't dwell in the past. Number two, he forgot the good and the bad. He forgot the good and the bad. Brother Parker, number three, he says, I keep reaching. For that which is to come. Let me break it down. When we look at these three things. These words. Paul reveals. That forgetting the many things of his past. Would enable him. To draw closer. To his purpose. For his living. Why? The things of the past. Would become obstacles for him trying to reach his future I'm gonna shatter I'm gonna mess somebody up right here so charge it to my head not to my heart but you heard the lie some people say you can't know where you're going until you know where you're being this verse throws that right in the lake can I say some more Paul says forgetting those things which are behind I can't dwell on the past I can't even if it was good stuff I can't waddle there why what he's saying is if was Paul forgetting? See, I knew you were going to ask that, so I came ready. Number one, I believe, Lisa, he was forgetting his pedigree. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. And if anybody had the pompous right to say, I'm a Hebrew Israelite, it was Paul. But Paul said, man, forget that. That ain't got nothing to do with what I'm reaching for. Secondly, he was forgetting his own birthright. Thirdly, he was forgetting his own academic ability. Fourthly, he was forgetting his own heritage. Fifthly, he was forgetting his own cultural benefits because none of that had anything to do with why God called him and what he was now living for. I missed a whole lot of y'all right there. Sixth of all, he was forgetting the religious norms, the rites and the traditions, the holidays and the feast days, because none of those saved him. Come on, talk to me. He was forgetting his past sins, because you know he was a murderer. And guilt has a way of keeping you in prison. So you can't pursue the thing that God set you free to pursue. I need to stop the car right here. Somebody's still stuck in your sin of yesterday. Listen, the blood that was shed at the cross cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Don't you let nobody keep you in prison from something you did yesterday. Come on, look at me. You are no longer an alcoholic if you've been born again. Quit nursing that lie. You're a new creature in Christ. Paul's saying, listen, man, not only am I forgetting that, but I'm forgetting my past failures. Everything I done messed up. Why? Because past failures will make you think you disqualified from reaching forward to what God has for you. The ninth of all, Paul had to forget his past mess-ups. I like this. Paul was also forgetting his ministry mistakes. You know he was human. Come on, somebody human. Talk to me for a minute. I know you're saved and you're pretty and you look good. Come on, talk to me. I know you ain't cursed today since you've been born again. But in spite of all that, you know you mess up. Tell your neighbor, I mess up. Go on and confess. Tell your neighbor, I mess up. Saying here, I had to forget those things, Angelus. Because when I'm running this race and I'm reaching for the thing that laid hold of me, if I let that stuff hold me, I will never be all that I can be. Come on, encourage your neighbor, tell her, forget that stuff, man. Keep running. Forget that stuff. That past stuff, Mason, that past stuff only hinders you. It slows you down in your pursuit. But I like this now. I want you to forget this. He didn't only have to forget those things, but he said, I keep reaching. Y'all see that right there? In other words, he didn't just forget the stuff Ruben and stop right there. I'm cool now. That's in the past. I'm all good. No, he stepped up his game. I know some of y'all ain't convinced, but I came ready for you today. He says, I'm reaching toward. The word reaching here is really interesting. I think you know the definition, it just means to reach, to stretch, to grab toward. But he's using the imagery here, don't forget this, this is good context and culture, of the Roman games and the runner in the Olympics. When the runner is running the race, he got to forget what he messed up with when he came out the blocks. Come on, stand with me. No matter where he is in the race, he got to keep... reaching for that thing am I making sense here this is powerful because he's literally describing I'm doing it with every ounce in me well what was before Paul what could apostle Paul be possibly reaching for I mean he did it all he wrote 14 books planted multiple churches Took the gospel to the Gentile world. Man baptized numerous people. Preached the gospel. What could he be? If anybody needed retirement. It was that brother. Come on talk to me. But he said look I can't quit. And I'm not even rejoicing in that stuff that I did. I believe that what was before Paul. Was the blessed privilege. Of getting more of Jesus. Hey. That just felt good right there. Can I say it again? Before him was the blessing. Of getting more. Of his beloved Christ. Before Paul was the blessed privilege. Of more responsibility. In the kingdom. Before Paul was the blessed privileged son of the Christian life and the progressive pursuit of Christ likeness I believe before Paul was the opportunity to serve the poor that's why I got to get out of prison before Paul was the blessed opportunity of loving the widows and the orphans serving the elderly Preaching the word, Brother Rodney. The worship and community with the children of God. Before Paul was his own Christian character development. Because he kept saying, I ain't made it yet. I ain't apprehended. Right? I don't know what I'm doing. Before Paul is the freeing of the captives. Remember he was doing prison ministry. Before Paul was the clothing of the naked. Remember all the offerings he kept taking up at the churches to be a blessing in the ministry before Paul was the healing of the sick. So he sees himself as a runner that's fixed on finishing well. What a a picture this is of the Christian race. This isn't in my notes, but I thought I'd bring it to you. See, the Christian race is not easy. Can I let my head down right here? Somebody talk to me. You know, it ain't, it ain't been no easy race. Somebody that been walking with Jesus more than 24 hours, come on, talk to me. I need you right through here. Somebody, somebody discouraged, needs you right through here. It ain't been easy. Because it's a race that must be endured through storm, trial, and suffering. It's a race that cannot be ran without ups and downs, peaks and valleys, hills and tumultuous terrain. It's a race that cannot be ran without harsh, or turmoil it's a race that cannot be run without pain or problems it's a race that's more like a marathon than it is a sprint anybody in here with me it's a life that's lived out brother Rosedale in pursuit of purpose and passion in spite of the predicaments In the Olympic games, the athlete must endure not only the elements of the city or the country they're running in, but the elements of the track. And many times the track will be set apart based on, yes, it's obstacles against the runner. Are you with me here? Because the track itself will test the endurance, hey. Of the runner. I'm talking to somebody today. Your race ain't like my race. And my race ain't like your race. My track ain't your track. But every track has got some endurance built in it. Am I talking to you? I wish I could call a roll right there. Oh, somebody asked me. Thank you. I think I will. Somebody's track has some cancer on it. Somebody's track has a, a, a murdered spouse on it. Somebody's track has some difficult children on it. Somebody's track has some abandonment on it. Somebody's track has been laced with racism. Somebody's track means you're gonna get violated, and you may be winning on murder's roll. Somebody's track has more. It. But it's your track and when you got in a race you've been assigned a certain course to run. Come on I need some help right through here. Anybody here today ever had to endure some stuff? Come on talk to me family because somebody on your row is discouraged today. They need to hear your amen right there. Anybody here? some ups and downs. Anybody here in the midst of a battle today? Somebody here needs to know you got a purpose for being in the race. When God calls you, he ramps up the purpose inside of you that you might pursue him in spite of the course that you own. Somebody may have to run this race without your spouse because they don't want no parts of your Jesus. Somebody may have to run this race without health care benefits because it just don't make the ends meet. Somebody may have to run this course with a bad lung, a weary heart, a wobble knee, a messed up circumstance of life. Somebody has been dealt a wrong blow in life, but you can't change the course. It's a part of your race, and God has given it to you so you may learn to endure. know I love you in the and as the pastor and overseer of your soul, if I could change your course I'd do it for you but I can't even change my own Somebody gonna have to run this race with the awful sin stain of battling homosexuality, battling substance abuse, battling a a desire for another man's wife. Somebody gonna have to run this race with the sins of the flesh tugging you over time. But it's your race. It's your race. You got to run your race. Hey neighbor, I'm with you man I'm with you I'm with you Paul's pursuit in life was to pursue the thing that laid hold of him Paul's purpose in life was found in not dwelling on the things in the past and forgetting those things and stretching forward to the thing that was ahead of him well I'm going to close when I give you Paul's passion in life. Paul's passion in life is found in verse 14. (coughs) If you got it, say, I'm there, Reverend. Paul says, new beginnings, forgetting those things which are behind, I press. He used that word again. He uses it the first time in verse 12, and then he comes back to it in verse 14, which implies in hermeneutics that this is an important word. And you ought to now look up to see what it means. The word press right here literally means to pursue in a hostile manner. Wow. I used this analogy a long time ago, a couple years ago when I was sharing this passage. I think i use it again. But I remember before I was a Christian, I stole a car in L.A., and it was a sob. <laughs> For the brothers who know that's a fast car. Yeah. And I'll never forget coming up Vermont in the 120th. Jamming my music real loud, Brother Anthony. And the LAPD. Yeah. Saw me turn a corner with my music loud. And the next thing I knew, I was being pursued. I know y'all been good all your life, so I'm just talking about me. And I saw the police coming after me. And I put that thing to the floor. Anybody know about Vermont? That's a long street. And I mashed that thing on the floor and I saw them lights getting brighter and brighter. They was pursuing me. In a hostile manner. Y'all got the picture now? Paul is saying, I'm pressing toward the goal in a hostile manner. And I can't get caught up with what my enemy's talking about. I can't get caught up with my past accolades and accomplishments. None of that matters to me now. I'm on death row and I'm getting ready to see my savior. But before I go, I'm gonna ramp it up a little bit and I'm gonna pursue God in a hostile manner. Anybody in here with me? He says, "I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus." Let me spend just a few minutes there and unpack it. Y'all gonna help me? King James. It's one of the closest versions to the original version written in the Greek. But the King James version says I press toward the mark. Y'all catch that right there? The new King James is pretty good. It's awesome. I love it. I press toward the goal. But here's where i rather lean on the old King James. Because the word mark literally means in this interpretation the watchman. Can I say more? I'm pursuing in a hostile manner the watchman. Y'all in here? Why did Paul use this word mark? It's the only one used, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament right here. The watchman was the referee that judged the games in Rome. every runner in the race had to keep his eye on the watchman because the watchman would determine how you ran your race. If you ran outside your lanes you could be disqualified. If you were fighting and bumping and pushing with others to cheat and screw and call your way the watchman is the only one who could disqualify you from the games so it's important that while you run in lawfully you keep your eye on the judge Hebrews chapter 12 and 2 yeah Says, looking unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher the race. Paul, Paul is pressing toward that thing. Can I say some more? Not only is he pressing toward him, but he says something else here. He says, I'm pressing toward the watchman for the prize. Did you catch that? You should circle that in your translation. The prize of the Upward call or high calling. That's in Christ Jesus. Y'all catch that right there? (laughs) What he's getting at here, and I'm through, is that Paul in his race kept his eye on the only one that mattered. His eye was on Jesus because only Jesus could judge the way he ran the race. Can I turn the light on right there? Notice this Jesus called him and put him in the race. So now he can't get out of the race because he didn't put himself in the race. Jesus puts him in the race, gives him his spirit to now run in the race, designs his own course. So that he himself alone as the judge, yeah, will be glorified by how his son ran the race that he put him in. And then, he becomes not only the judge, but the prize for which the son is running for. See, in every Roman game, they would give out... Uh, A a Garland crown some of you know the old Roman movies you watch it wasn't a crown made of gold but it was just like a wreath but it was worth great value in the Olympic Games Paul's value ain't on a garland crown his value is on the one who gives crowns Paul is focused hey help me Holy Ghost to close it out on the prize is the reward which comes from the higher call that he got from God. Uh, In other words, Paul is saying, if I just, yes, answer the call, I know the one who called me is going to be pleased by how I ran the race. So I'm running to meet the one who called me into the race and I'm running to see his face and I'm running because he called me to this higher calling. Well, what is Paul's higher calling? Paul's higher calling was unto God in every area of his life. Can I turn the light on right there? Somebody this morning is saying, Pastor, I don't know what my ministry is. Your ministry is to live the best you you can live unto God. Pastor, I don't know what God wants me to do in this church. Your ministry in the church is to love God and your brothers and sisters as yourself. Pastor, I don't know what God is asking of me in the world. Your call in this life is to represent Christ everywhere that you go. When God calls, he calls for fallen people to be engaged in internal things. When God calls, he calls for fallen people. To enter into a relationship with him the high call involves fallen people embracing God's plan for humanity and God's plan for mankind involved a wicked cross And when God called, he called you and I to trust in the cross and the finished work that his son Jesus did to redeem you and I. In other words, New Beginnings, uh, God's call is a call to honor him in every area of your life. And this call is second to none. This call is... Supernatural. This call is sacrificial. This call is sacred. And this call is to service. This call is to submission. This is a servant call that's to be placed before the servants in glory. In this call, we must not faint or look back. Because this call demands our highest efforts and this call is worth all your trials and tribulations. It's a high calling and it only comes from the most high. I'm closing right here. But the high calling is not something for the faint heart. Not something for the weak at knees. No, no, the high calling is for those who love the Lord and who are willing to obey at every turn of the race. I'm closing here, but the call is for those that God. Said unto himself, When you got called unto salvation, it was placing you in the race to run for the high calling that God has on your life. When you got called into the race, the downs some changes and turnarounds some upsets and backsets some heartbreaks some confusion some turmoil some difficulty some some pain some suffering some confusion some misunderstandments this call involves somebody turning back on you a family breaking apart A family cursing you, writing your name on the wall, blasting you on the internet. This call involves your hurts, your pains, and it comes according to your age. I'm closing now, but I'm glad for every inch of my call. I'm glad into my race I wouldn't trade my race now for nothing in the world I wouldn't trade my pain now for nothing in this world I've come too far I've ran too long I've ran too hard there's been clouds in my life there's been rainstorms earthquakes tsunamis hurricanes but I can't quit now I'm I'm stretching forward to the high calling of Jesus Christ. Can I close right here? You see the high calling. The high calling is one Friday night on a hill called Calvary. Jesus to Christ went on an all rugged cross to pursue the high calling of his father. He died. And his high calling took his body down, shoved it in another man's tomb, and early Sunday morning, reaching for the high calling, he raised him back to life. Now, ain't God alright in my high calling? I In my head, in my high calling, there's a spear for my side. In my high calling, I got to die like my Savior died. But in my high calling, there's hope of the resurrection because He lives. I'm gonna rise too. Because He lives, I'm gonna rise too. I got a high calling. You got a high calling. Oh God. Children got high callings. High five somebody. Tell them run your race, neighbor. High five somebody else. Tell them pain comes on the track. Tell them suffering is in your lane. Tell them neighbor, don't get out your lane. The lanes don't get easier on another track. Because in every track, there's suffering. In every track, there's pain. So rejoice in the track that you got. Rejoice in the lane that you're in. Rejoice for the high calling. In there, don't throw in the towel. Hang on, hang on. I wish I had seven of you to just run around, encourage somebody. Tell them don't quit your race. You can do this thing. I wish I had seven over here that's willing to encourage somebody. Tell them don't quit your race. You can make it. Come on, encourage somebody. Tell them I know it's hard. But run your race, Amy. Stay your course. Stay your course, girl. Stay your course. Run on. Run on. No more go run till I ain't no more running in my feet. And when I can't run, I'll walk a while. And when I walk a while, I'm gonna keep on walking. And then when I can't walk, I'll crawl my way to the end of the race. If I can't run, I'm gonna walk. If I can't walk, I'll crawl. And then when I can I think I'll let the brothers come and carry me while. carry me brothers, till I get to where I'm going, carry me brothers, till I get my strength back and I can run some more, say yeah, say yeah, are you a Christian? that I help somebody run. Are you a Christian? that I help somebody walk. Are you a Christian? that I help somebody crawl. Will you carry somebody? If they get weak in the race, if you'll carry somebody, stand on your feet. We want to see the carriers today. We want to know where we can go. When the race gets heavy, some carriers in your section. Somebody look around. If you get weak, take a picture. They'll carry you. Come on, give the Lord some praise. Perfect song right there.